Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. When you love meat, you find a way to take it with you everywhere you go, especially when it comes to getting outdoors. That's why Smithfield has so many high-quality, delicious meats that are perfect for any outdoor adventure. Whether the park you're headed to is a national park or just the one down the street, like Smithfield marinated roasted garlic and cracked black pepper fresh pork tenderloin, expertly seasoned for on-the-go flavor, or prime fresh smoked ham that'll have you building on-the-go sandwiches packed with flavor. Smithfield Extra Meaty Back Ribs bring hand-selected perfection to the backyard, and Smithfield Anytime Favorites will help you take the ham you savor to the places you love. From diced ham that'll turn any picnic into an outdoor feast, to hickory smoked boneless ham steaks that are the perfect cap to any hike. The great outdoors just got greater with Smithfield. For the love of meat. Most of us go through our days with a little bit of a plan, but we're often at the mercy of someone else's time and energy. When this happens, the loss of control feels like we aren't doing the things that we should be doing with our days. Training starts to slip, nutrition starts to slip, and eventually we begin to coast through our daily life. However, what if you could set up your day purposefully to give you the ability to be more productive with your work, still be able to train hard, and have the personal life that you want? My guest today, Eric Hinman, shares his story of how he does just that. As a serial fitness entrepreneur, consultant, and investor, Eric has his hands in many different buckets. He does all of this while still training one to two hours every day and having a personal life. We get into a great conversation in this episode about business, endurance training, habits, sauna meetings, and a bunch more that I know you'll be able to get a lot of practical advice from. So enjoy this episode of the Nomad Strength Show with Eric Hinman. Welcome back to the Nomad Strength Show. Ross Hillier here, joined with Eric Hinman today, who I should say is from something, but it's really like you're from a million things with all the stuff that you've got going on, which is awesome. So uh, thanks for making time today, man. I'm excited to talk to you. Thanks for having me on, Ross. Yeah. So uh, I think the first thing that I had come across where I'd seen you, it was most recently, probably in the last handful of months, um, I'm fairly certain was all the ice barrel stuff. And uh, that's where I've seen you the most frequently recently, I guess. But when I started uh, doing some digging, like I mentioned a few minutes ago, like you've got all kinds of stuff going on that you've got your, your fingers in and sort of this serial entrepreneur kind of life. But then you also have the athletic side of things where you're an Ironman competitor and kind of this endurance athlete and do CrossFit and that kind of stuff. So kind of to start, I want to know what came first, like the, the athletic and the training side or like the business side, or how did that mesh to be what you're doing now? 
Yeah. I mean, the athlete side came first. And I mean, this is going back to childhood. Mm-hmm. I loved playing sports. I played basketball. That was my favorite sport in elementary school, high school. I played one year of college. I ran cross country. I ran track. My senior year of high school, I switched to football and I thought my cross country coach was going to shoot me for doing that. (laughs) Um, I played baseball, little league and senior league. So, um, I loved athletics and I loved just like competing against myself. Um, and then business came next. I I went to college, a small school just outside of Rochester, New York called Geneseo for business management. Mm -hmm. And really the only two skills I would say I learned in college were, um, how to build relationships with people and time management skills. I can't really say that I applied many of the other learnings to what I do now, but those two were definitely invaluable. So, you know, for that, I think college was, you know, important for me to go to just to grow and, you know, be uncomfortable. Um, after college, my father gave me an incredible opportunity to create my own destiny and create my own insurance agency. Um, he gave me a small salary and a company car. And over a seven year period, I built up a a really nice book of property and casualty, um, insurance business, mainly campgrounds and marinas. I, um, landed on these niche markets as, Um, I realized that by going narrow and deep on something, you can become known for something and word spreads a lot faster when you're known for something. So I've applied that throughout all my various businesses of going like narrow and deep, especially early on when you're building a business. Um, So that was my first business. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was 2002 to 2009. I still own the business. Um, I've had others managing it for me since 2009. So I've not been actively involved. But, um, you know, advice I always give to young people is, you know, if you can create an asset early on and create residual income early on. And that chapter of my life was very much like work on the weekdays and play on the weekends. You know, I didn't particularly enjoy the subject matter. It wasn't a passion. I did enjoy building the business. And again, super grateful. My father gave me that opportunity at a young age to to build that asset and build that residual income stream. But, you know, I kind of knew all along that was just a means to an end. It wasn't something I wanted to do my entire life. Um, So... Uh, during that time though, it was driving 50,000 miles a year, sitting often. I didn't have education around healthy eating. I thought Subway was healthy. I thought it was better than pizza. So that's where I, what I would have for lunch oftentimes. Um, you know, I was drinking heavily during that time period, partying on the weekends. And, um, right now I weigh about 180, a pretty lean okay. 180. Then I yeah. was around, I got up to probably 200, 205 pounds, And I haven't shared many of those pictures. I should share them sometime on social media. But yeah, I mean, I had a little beer belly and Mm -hmm. I certainly did not look like what I look like today at 42 when I was 25. Um, So during that time period, though, um, probably around 2006, I hired a personal trainer and he got me into like good looking shape again. Um, And you know, that kind of brought me back into being an athlete again. I really enjoyed the workouts he was putting me through. It was five days a week, 30 minutes, and they were CrossFit type workouts before I think any of us really knew what CrossFit was. Um, He had me doing thrusters and he had me deadlifting and squatting and in between a lot of the strength sets, he had me running on a track. So it was kind of blending cardio with weightlifting. And yeah, again, I lost about 20 pounds and, you know, you could see, 
see my see some definition in my arms and my stomach again, kind of like mm-hmm. when I was in high school. <laughs> right. Um, and then uh, that led to meeting some friends who bought these fancy bikes that had four handlebars on them. And then I was really intrigued <laughs> with the with the bike. I'm like, those are really cool looking. What the hell is that? And they're like, it's a time trial bike. I'm like, what's well, a time trial bike? <laughs> and they're like, we're competing in a triathlon that's coming to Syracuse, a half Ironman. I'm like, what's well, a half Ironman? And they told me the distances. And I'm like, wait, you're going to swim 1.2 miles. You're going to bike 56 miles. And then then you're going to run a half marathon. <laughs> that seems daunting. Why would you ever do that? Yeah. And then sure enough, I found myself going even further. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that was really my start in triathlon yeah. was 2009, 2010. Um, I had started running again, which came naturally because I had that running background. I bought that fancy bike. So, you know, I started mm-hmm. doing these little sprint triathlons every Wednesday in Jamesville, New York. And I got a membership at Gold's Gym and I, I started swimming. I had no swimming background. I did grow up on Lake Ontario. So, you know, I could swim with my head out of the water, but I didn't know the proper breathing or the proper swim stroke. Um, so sure. um, started, you know, learning how to swim in a, in a pool so that I could swim open water. Um, did a few sprint distance triathlons, a few um, Olympic distance triathlons and you know, at this point I was starting to get you know, pretty fit again and I was doing well and sometimes winning these little Wednesday night triathlons. Um, but whenever I signed up for a local race, this guy, Mike Corona would beat me in all of the races. And, you know, at this point, cause I was doing the strength training and lots of cardio now, right. like I, I had a six pack and I was, I was pretty damn lean. I looked like an athlete and he didn't, he didn't look as athletic as I did. So I'm like, why the <laughs> hell is he beating me when I, I beat him How every Wednesday. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I don't get it. So I hired him as my coach and, <laughs> nice. you know, he taught me a really valuable lesson that I've applied to many things in life that there's a big difference between, um, just like kind of going through the motions and in this scenario, exercise versus Mm -hmm. training for something Mm. and doing something with purposeful practice. You know, you could have one person that spends five years doing something, another person that spends five years doing something. And one could person could be so much further ahead because they had the right mentors and, you know, they had the right daily execution to get them to where they wanted to go. And I was doing everything hard at that point, like anaerobic heart rate, running really fast, biking really fast. And that's yeah. why I was winning these little 50 minute workouts because I had a lot of anaerobic capacity and I had strength from the CrossFit workouts, but mm-hmm. I didn't have aerobic capacity and I didn't have durability. So he slowed me way, way down. He's like, you got to ramp up your volume. And in order to ramp up your volume, you have to slow the intensity because sure. you can't run more than five or six miles at that heart rate. And yeah. we want you running 15 miles. And I'm like, Oh, okay. So he backed me off to, it's called the Maffetone method of zone two training where you do everything at about 75 to 80% of your max heart rate. And yeah, I went from running a 830 per mile pace at like a 140 heart rate in 2010 to running a sub 630 pace at a 129 heart rate for 20 plus miles. Um, and it was just from doing all that zone two training. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, through, through him, he, uh, he helped get me to the Ironman world championships in Kona twice. Um, you know, several top three Ironman finishes in my age group, um, some top three age group finishes and half Ironmans. And that was really the start of, 
shifting my lifestyle to be one around health and wellness and no longer, you know, chasing just, you know, making more money and chasing um, things that are very ego driven, fancy cars and fancy clothes and fancy houses. It was more like, no, like this is really filling my cup, running, biking, swimming, exercising. You know, I had stopped drinking and I just felt like the best version of myself. And I felt like I was really positively impacting others um, by having just such a full cup and so much energy and mm. so many learnings from triathlon that, you know, I was also applying to business. It seems like that that piece of advice that he had given you while maybe was in the moment directly referring to how to train for a, a triathlon or an Ironman was like, that's actually a much broader encapsulating type of mindset that really, I'm sure, correct me if I'm wrong, probably applied to everything, you, you know, bet. from training and business and everything moving forward from there too, right? You bet. Yeah. Yeah. I always tell people that, you know, I loved my Ironman chapter. It was about a five-year time period. And I learned so many valuable life lessons beyond that I could run, bike, and swim this crazy distance. You know, it, it taught me that high achievers generally have just put on blinders and narrowly focused on one thing for long enough to be really good at it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's, there's a, there's, it's daily execution. It's compounding consistencies. It's not generally, you know, one lucky break. It's, you know, all of the things that happen for me now, you know, they're just from compounding consistencies of putting myself out there from doing similar things every day, from exuding positive energy, from impacting others, from connecting others. And, you know, it, it reciprocates if you do that for long enough. Um, so yeah, I mean, it just really opened my, my eyes to like, yeah. I, I can be a high achiever in anything, whether it's building a, you know, a big business, being an Ironman triathlete, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, there's just, there's a process to it. And, yeah. you know, if you follow that process and you, again, avoid all of the distractions in life and narrowly focus on one thing at a time, you know, I really feel like that's the best way to accomplish things. And, you know, we all, we're going to live many chapters of life. And I look at things now as life chapters. You know, this is yeah. the five-year chapter for me where I'm focusing on helping others build brands. And like, I just want to do that. I'm wearing that hat. Even though I have a million other opportunities and things coming at me, it's like, no, mm -hmm. I'm doing this. This is the hat I'm wearing for five years. And then if it no longer serves me after five years, maybe I'll put a different hat on. So let's talk about that for a minute with you moving into this entrepreneurial space. And now you've made the focus, uh, like you'd said, you're starting that transition to where now you're wanting it to be focused in the health and wellness space specifically. So how did you go about approaching what am I going to do in business in this space? Was it like, was what, am I going to create something? Am I, cause I know you do a lot of investing in companies as well. So like, where was the origin of how am I going to be involved in this industry? Yeah, I'm, it's, uh, it's kind of been trial and error. Um, so I mean, my following on social media initially was built through Iron Man, just yeah. kind of sharing the copious amounts of food I was eating and all the training volume right. and my pretty bikes. 
Uh, and then one of my very, very close friends, God rest his soul, was Dave Mira, um, BMX X Games yeah. athlete, incredible human being. Um, I got him into triathlon. He came and watched me compete in uh, Lake Placid and then Kona. He got the bug and uh, he started competing in the sport. We trained and raced a lot together. And just by being with him, you know, him being a well-known name, my following continued to grow. Sure. And in 2016, um, I was no longer competing. Competing, but Oakley, the sunglass company, reached out to me and invited me to spectate the Ironman World Championships in Kona and promote their new sunglasses they were coming out with called the Radar Pace. And that was kind of my aha moment of, wow, like big brands are going to start, um, you know, using niche people to promote their products and services. So that's when I really started thinking of Instagram specifically, like Mm -hmm. I would think of any of my other businesses and brands. And, you know, with that, I'm like, okay, I want to tell a story. I want to add value. I want to evoke some kind of emotion. Um, And for me, you know, I thought the the impact that I could have was inspiring people to um, employ some of the health and wellness protocols that I had employed over the years that yeah. You know, again, we're giving me this incredible energy and mental clarity. Um, and then, um, you know, I just I really wanted to add value and impact people. So instead of just posting, you know, pretty pictures, it was like, no, I want to like give advice. I want to talk about yeah. my diet and I want to talk about how I get deep sleep and I want to talk about about my recovery routine. And, you know, by adding value that gets shared and saved by people and you get into the Instagram algorithm and, mm-hmm. you know, it just continued to grow from adding value and, you know, impacting others lives. And the the brand deal component started maybe 2017, 2018, you know, very much early on. It was just companies sending me product and I was posting about it. And I thought that was really cool that I was getting Mm -hmm. free sunglasses or free shoes (laughs) or free gear. Um, And then I hired uh, an agent, Dean Statman, out of New York. He was the editor at Men's Health. He went off, started his own PR firm. And uh, I was at the top of Mount Morrison, one of the mountains close to our house here. And I always say my, my best ideas come when I'm like out running in the mountains or mountain right. biking or, you know, it's just where you have space to connect dots. Yeah. And I texted him at the top of the mountain and uh, I said, hey, Dean, um, you know, I think we could have a really good thing if you represent me as an agent because I have a lot of companies companies reaching out to me that probably need press. And I'm assuming that you have companies that could use me as their PR source. Like, you know, how how about representing me as, as my agent? And uh, he's like, give me a day or two to think it over, message me back. And he's like, let's try it. And it's really been an incredible match just because he put a much higher value on myself than I would put Mm -hmm. on myself again. Like I just thought it was cool. I was getting products. Right. Um, so then it was, you know, getting paid to post, and, you know, that felt cool. But again, I always go back to, I want to add value that that's where I'm happiest now, you know, making more money doesn't really excite me. That's not something I'm putting in the gratitude jar at night. Um, mm-hmm. impacting others is something that I put in the gratitude jar at night when I feel like I had a positive influence on, on someone or something. So, uh, you know, I, I kind of crafted this consulting role where, 
Um, it was similar for the other businesses I had built. I'm like, I think sure. I can really raise awareness by um, looping in all of my other friends that are in this space to yeah. have them amplify the message. Um, I can introduce you to investors. I can introduce you to distribution channels. Um, I can help you build out your ambassador program because I've seen other companies successfully build out an ambassador program, how to communicate with ambassadors, how to incentivize ambassadors. So the last three or four years, it's turned into much more of a consulting role than just a pay me to post picture role. Um, and right. again, for me, like I want to provide ROI and a lot of the companies I work with, they're smaller companies that I think I can really, really help spread awareness. Um, you know, I don't want to work with the biggest companies in the world where I'm just a billboard for them. Um, sure. I want to work for small companies that not everyone already knows about. So, you know, I can really help them build their brand. And is, is Instagram still the primary kind of vehicle for a lot of what you do? Or have you branched into any of the other ones and spent any time doing the same type of stuff as you put that effort into Instagram? Yeah, Instagram is definitely where I still put the most effort. Yeah. Um, within the last four or five months, um, I have been repurposing some content on TikTok, yeah. YouTube Shorts, um, building up an email list. So starting to diversify some, but Instagram is still where I spend the most amount of time and you know I have the largest audience. So how much of it is you still trying to keep up and understand all the changes that like just the platform itself goes through on a regular, I mean, cause you're doing these things where you're working for and with these companies, but now you're also like, well, if this isn't what Instagram's doing, it seems like every six months we have to kind of change some things about how just yeah. the platform operates. So yeah. how much of it is you involved with what Instagram is doing? So you understand how you can better actually serve the, the companies that you're working with. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely a huge component of it. I mean, you know, early on, it was just pictures, you know, we didn't yeah. have stories, we didn't have reels. And they had the same filter on every picture. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And now, yeah, pretty much everything I'm producing is video, you know, it's reels, yeah. it's video story posts, it's yep. talking to the camera. And just like anything that took reps and sets, you know, that was uncomfortable yeah. for me early on, you know, when you're looking at yourself, talking to yourself, you're judging <laughs> right. yourself. And it's it's kind of awkward, you know, it's not, yeah. you, you feel like you're acting as opposed to just having a conversation with someone yeah. like this podcast is. Yep. So, you know, yeah, that took reps and sets to get used to it. And, um, I, I, I've also realized where, what I enjoy doing, what is easiest for me and where I think I can provide the most impact. So, you know, for me, I'm not like a Sam Colder. I'm, I can't produce high quality cinematic sure. drone videos. Right. So, you know, most of my stuff now is just adding value through talking about life lessons I've learned. Um, mm. and you know, I also do know that, um, the algorithm favors, you know, an interesting environment, doing something interesting while you're talking. So, yep. you know, oftentimes I'm in the sauna doing it or I'm working out or running, talking yep. about something. Um, you know, I do know that like you want your hook really early on. So, sure. you know, instead of just being like, hey, guys, happy Sunday. I'm Eric. Like, you know, <laughs> just lead right with your hook of like. It. You know, here's how I kicked alcohol when I was 28 years old, you know, and then you go into your story. But, yeah, you have to captivate people's interest right away because there's just so many people out there producing content. And yeah. I think uh, Alex Hermosi said that aware awareness and, and gaining attention is like the new oil. It's the new mm -hmm. economy where yeah. everyone is just kind of fighting for attention. 
Well, and it's super interesting to think about how most people use, especially even in the business standpoint, how most people use Instagram is almost just to like share things that they're doing in their other business. But mm-hmm. it, but how you're describing it, it's like Instagram, how we have to understand it or really any social like it is its own business that like requires its own sort of business plan in order to like your, your daily things that you need to do in order to keep it running as a machine, just like you would in the actual business back here that you're, that you're maybe promoting, but you have to treat this. Like it can't just be like, I'm going to just take this one picture and just share it and like throw it out in the universe and hope something happens. Right. Like there, you have to be deliberate with like you're saying with uh, even the captions, like, or, or the order of things in a post, like all that is, very particular. And it's kind of cool to see how you're talking, like, you're not the most hyper produced, like how a lot of these other guys are. And Mm -hmm. it kind of seems like that's swinging back towards that side of the pendulum. Because for a couple years, it was like, the only things I was seeing were like these incredibly, like almost cinematic produced Mm -hmm. videos. And now it's kind of coming back to like, people just almost prefer the the regular selfie with captions, and you're talking while you're doing something like what you tend to do. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And also, I mean, Instagram has changed for me of, you know, I think for many, it was a highlight reel, um, Mm -hmm. you know, and I equate that to like showing people the top of the mountain, um, literally, literally and figuratively. And now it's so much more about showing people how to get to the top of the mountain. So, you know, I'm, I'm not posting so much for me anymore of like, Hey, here's, here's my PR lift today. And here's the beautiful view from this mountain I'm on, you know, everything is more around like impact. You know, this is for others. How can I share something that is going to help other people get to where I've gotten? Mm -hmm. So I want to get into a little bit. I want to, I want to kind of backtrack and go back into a little bit more of the training stuff, because that is a lot of what uh, I see that you, you post about is like Mm -hmm. your own training. We've talked about that so far, but uh, how has that changed from the Ironman peak you know, super heavy endurance days Mm -hmm. to kind of what you're doing now and how your how your training now influences the other things because the other thing I've seen you talked about or talk about excuse me is the importance of having like a daily like setting up your day for success yeah. right daily habits and rituals and stuff so like where does that all work in and how you train now after years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by big wireless providers if we've learned anything it's that there's always a catch So when I first heard that Mint Mobile offers premium wireless starting at just 15 bucks a month, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them and using their service, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they're the first company to sell wireless service online only. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. For anyone who hates their phone bill, Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for just 15 bucks a month. I was hesitant about having to get a new phone and a new phone number, but with Mint, you can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone and your same phone number along with all of your existing contacts. Mint Mobile gives you the best rate whether you're buying for one or for a family, and at Mint, families start at two lines. All plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Switch to Mint Mobile and get premium wireless service starting at just 15 bucks a month. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and to get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com/waypoint. That is mintmobile.com/waypoint. 
Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash waypoint. Yeah, definitely. So the Ironman years were 20 plus hours of swimming, biking and running and maybe three to five hours of strength training. And when I say strength training, it was more jumping in for a CrossFit class, doing things I was good at. I wasn't lifting um, heavy weight like I do now. I wasn't doing any of the complex Olympic lifts or gymnastics. Mm -hmm. Um, It was more like box jump overs and burpees and pull ups, stuff I was good at. And, um, you know, I got to a point where I, I realized I I was, I didn't feel great and there probably wasn't longevity to it. And again, like I loved my Ironman chapter. I'm so glad I did it, but I'm also so glad I didn't get addicted to it. And I realized that it probably was not sustainable, meaning, um, my cortisol level levels were super high during those years. Testosterone levels sank because I wasn't lifting that many heavy weights and it was just like high, high volumes of zone yeah. two cardio, very little anaerobic training. And, you know, I, I was like beat by five or 6 PM every night. I had zero energy left mm-hmm. from the high volume of cardio. And now my training is, is much more varied. I do five days a week in the gym, CrossFit sessions, training like a CrossFit athlete. Um, so, you know, strength training 75 to 90% of max lifts, um, back squats, front squats, deadlift, pressing movements, bench press. And, um, that's generally followed by anaerobic conditioning. So, you know, either a CrossFit Metcon or intervals on an assault bike, rower, skier, um, and then accessory lifts, like things you would see a bodybuilder doing where it's strengthening the smaller tendons and and ligaments that might not be strengthened doing some of those, um, complex Olympic lifts. Uh, and then every single day, seven days a week, I do at least 45 up to about 90 minutes of aerobic cardio. And that ranges from right now I'm fat tire biking in the snow. Um, I do a lot of trail running in the wintertime. I, I love trail running in the, in the snow, in the mountains. Um, mountain biking is my absolutely favorite thing that I do. So once the snow melts, I get into mountain biking, I rock, I pavement run. Um, so I vary that kind of based on what I'm feeling that day, or if I'm ramping up for something, like I have some high rocks races coming up. So I've been ramping up the running because high rocks is very run dominant. Um, so that's seven days a week and I do it outside, soaking up the sun, multitasking without multitasking. Um, all of those workouts are generally done solo. That's my me time. That's, you know, I'm, I'm entertaining all the time. I, I, I'm a type A personality. I love being (laughs) around people. I love hosting lots of people. I love hosting community events, but I do need like that one hour every single day of solitude where, you know, I just don't, I'm not inundated with the conversations or inundated with messages coming in. It's just like a break for me. Um, so I do that almost more for the mental piece than I do for anything else. And being outside, you know, helps me get in just a complete flow state and completely present with that activity. Um, and then second to that, I like picking skill-based activities with risk associated with them over non-skill-based activities, um, with no risk. Um, you just have to be so much more present when you're mountain biking than you do when you're road cycling. You have to be so much more present when you're trail running, especially descending steep terrain than you do when you're pavement running. So I like those activities because I feel like it forces this state of presence and, 
Um, presence again is like sets and reps and it's so easy to have a distracted mind because of, you know, all of the notifications that we get, all of the information out there, um, all of the people asking you to do stuff. It's just so easy to have a scattered mind. So I do many of these things to train my mind to be present. And like this podcast we're having at 1130 mountain time. Um, I, I block off my, my days where 8.30 to 10.30 is always tr- training at the gym five days a week. And then from about one until three, that's always blocked off as well for my outdoor aerobic activities. Okay. And then after those activities, I always plan cognitive tasks. So podcasts, creating content, meetings, mm-hmm. they're always planned immediately after exercise because I know I'm going to have the most mental clarity mm-hmm. right after that exercise bout. Yeah. So, um, yeah, my, my, my days are very much uh, built around physical performance to fuel mental performance and then have a religious recovery routine that I do every single night. My sauna kicks on at 3 p.m. It's hot by 4 p.m. And for two hours, I have people cycling through here to do contrast therapy, mm-hmm. which is generally 20 minutes in a sauna at about 200 degrees and then five minutes in an ice barrel, three rounds of that. And that's like a community time where uh, able to form deep bonds with people. When someone messages me to meet up, I'm like, come over in sauna, 4 p.m., I'll throw out a date. And uh, that's where I meet new people. That's where I have captivating conversations with people. That's where I meet with business partners. That's where I meet with brand owners. All meetings happen pretty much in the sauna when I'm here in Denver. It's yeah. the new golf course. It's the new golf course. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're, so your phone's going to overheat at that temperature within three minutes. So you yep. can't be on your phone. Yep. And the, the heat and the cold, both of them are boosting your, uh, your, um, your adrenaline. Yeah. And, you know, Huberman talks about this. When you have increased adrenaline, you have increased focus. Mm-hmm. So I truly believe that's why, uh, some of the best conversations I've had in my life have happened in in the sauna. You know, yeah. it's a captive environment. There's no distractions. Um, your uh, your adrenaline, your endorphins are all boosted in there, and you just have like this narrow aperture to focus with those around you, and that allows for incredible deep conversations with people. Man, and I think about that in in relation to what a normal work day looks like for most people where they're not coming at any point during the day where they're working. Are they actually coming off unless it's like a meeting right at the beginning of the day and they, they train before work. Right. But for most people, the meetings happen in the middle of the day. It's just like, Oh, I've just been sitting all day. I got to go into another meeting or I'm on the phone. I got to have this other thing, but how much more productive like meetings and just work in general would be if there was just even smaller bouts of some sort of physical activity kind of peppered throughout the day, maybe even instead of just like a a super training session for one part, like if you were to do 30 minute bouts three times a day, like what your chunk of work after those sessions would look like compared to going all day without any of that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we know that exercise is the same where, you know, it's you, you get you get this endorphin rush afterwards. Mm-hmm. And with that comes this narrow aperture where you're very focused and you have a lot of mental clarity. So, yeah, yeah I mean, that's something I promote all the time is like exercise before a public speaking engagement, you know, take meetings and saunas and cold plunge like your conversations are going to be just next level. That's really cool. I, the, the sauna thing for 
because I actually just became uh, like within the last couple of weeks, we have a like a just a health club rec center kind of thing. And that's the only dry sauna within like 20 miles of here that I can get to. But until I get one here at the house, um, but just started going there like a week or so ago and I've gone basically every day. And I'm like already remembering when I used to go more frequently, just how good you feel like just immediately. Yeah. And then when you're t- like, I love the contrast training because I've been doing like ice, ice training stuff for years. And so that part of it, because that's what I've seen so much recently from like your accounts with the sauna and the ice and stuff. Um, like, I'm, I'm curious where has that always been a, a function or an aspect of your training or did that become kind of recent? And then you realize, wow, there's actually something to this. Let's keep how do I add this into my life all the time, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I started with infrared saunas back in 2013 and I was specifically using it for heat acclimation for the, for Kona, the Ironman world championships, which are a super hot and humid race. Mm -hmm. Um, but after doing it for, you know, a month or so, you know, I realized the feeling post infrared sauna was very similar to that feeling post run, post bike, post exercise, where I just felt really on. So, you know, I continued with the infrared sauna and then, um, I had a big jacuzzi tub in my condo in Syracuse. I started doing hot Epsom salt baths and that's like so overlooked as an incredible recovery tool physically and mentally is if you have a bathtub, take hot Epsom salt baths, you know, heat is heat. If you heat up your core body temperature and you kind of get in that fight or flight mode, you're going to get a similar response regardless of whether it's a steam room, an infrared sauna, traditional sauna. You know, I choose the traditional sauna and the cold plunge now just because I can get there faster with each of them because of the intense heat. Um, And then when I moved to Denver in 2017, I started going to this place called Denver Sports Recovery. And the protocol there that people were doing was sitting in the infrared sauna for 50 minutes at about 155 degrees and then doing three rounds, five minutes in a hot tub and five minutes in a cold plunge. Hot tub was like 105, 106. The cold plunge was um, 52 degrees. And after a year of doing that, all of my aches and pains from those Ironman years started to go away. Um, and also like, you know, I, ever since I had started the Ironman phase, like I, I rarely got sick. And I also attribute that to the cold exposure and the heat, yeah. you know, just building a robust immune system through it. Yep. And some other things that I started to notice though, over time were, um, I was never stressed out anymore. I was never anxious anymore. I just had this really even temperament, this continual positive energy. And the other thing was the community aspect of it. Um, I was having some of the best conversations of my life at Denver Sports Recovery with the people that were there. And, uh, you know, I just realized like the the impact that we were all having on each other where, you know, we had so much mental clarity. We were connecting each other with other people. You know, we, we, we were just super sharp and, you know, someone was starting a business, like everyone would l- lend their input. And mm-hmm. I love that aspect of it. Just yeah. the people I was meeting and the conversations I was having. So I feel like the physical benefits, you know, they're still there, but now I do it much more for the mental benefits and the community sure. benefits. Yeah, there's there's added layers that you get into after that initial like, oh, this just feels good. You yeah. Know, then you then you start to see all of the other like you said these other layers and these extra things that actually make it maybe more beneficial from all yeah. this, this these added things. That's really cool. Yeah, um, it goes back to that multitasking without multitasking. I always yeah. think of things where you know where am I going to get the most bang for my buck? You know, I could yep. spend an hour mountain biking or I could spend an hour on a treadmill. 
I'm going to get more bang for my buck if I go out and mountain bike where I'm soaking yeah. up the sun. I have to be present. It's going to teach my mind to be present. I'm going to get into a flow state. I'm going to have better conversations after, you know, it's this snowball effect. And, you know, saunas and cold exposure is the same. And, you know, we've since brought this all in house. We turfed 1200 square feet of our backyard. Mm-hmm. We built an outdoor gym. You know, we have a six person barrel sauna. We have multiple cold plunges. We have red light therapy. We have an infrared sauna here. We have PEMF mats. We have mm-hmm everything. And, you know, we love hosting people because we know the impact it's had on us and the impact it's going to have on others. And, you know, by having all of it so accessible and right in front of you, you know, all of our supplements are out in the kitchen. Like I'm a big believer in creating an environment where you thrive. And we've created this environment where it just begs us to live this life of health and wellness. That's awesome. I wanted to ask you, because I've seen you also talk about um, journaling in the past and, and the positive effects that it's had. Um, I have a, another weekly episode that I do with my buddy, Brandon Lilly, powerlift, former powerlifter. And, uh, we've talked about, we talk about that a lot cause that's both, that's been really something that's been helpful for the both of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so I'm curious where that fits in to all of this for you, because for us, you know, we each kind of have our own different reasons for it and, and different ways that it helps. Right. For me, it's more, I, I tend to visualize, like thoughts, like literally as a, as a cloud or something, leaving my hand, my head mm-hmm. going through my hand and then onto the page and it like physically clears out space in my head. Mm-hmm. So then like after I would just write for who knows how long, maybe, it's, maybe it's not even anything coherent, right? Mm-hmm. Just like words and random things that I'm looking at in the room, but I just need to get words out of my head. After that, I'm like way more able to, to process information and to think through things or come up with ideas for whatever. And for Brandon, it's very like therapeutic. And he's like, maybe I'm reflecting on these things that I, I, I noticed today. And so he's got a little bit more of that angle to it. So where was this uh, as a practice for you? How's it benefited you? Yeah. So, I mean, this goes back to like the Iron Man years where I had a lot of time alone and I had a lot of you know, exercise fueled mental clarity Mm -hmm. to really understand how I wanted to design and structure my life and what I wanted it to be like. And during those years, I wrote out, you know, each day, you know, the, the people, the activities and the environments that brought me positive energy where I was completely present in the moment, just felt like my cup was so full. And then I did the same for the people, the conversations, the environments, the activities where I wasn't completely present. I wanted to be doing something else. Um, and you know, I started to eliminate all of those things that brought me negative energy where I was wishing I was doing something else or wishing I was with someone else. And then, you know, I started structuring my day around these environments, these activities, these people, these conversations where I just felt like I was giving a ton of value and getting a ton of value. Mm-hmm. And through that, I built this list of, of tiny wins, which I can send to you and, and you can post in the, in the notes, yeah. um, where like, these are my, these are the things I want to structure my day around. And, you know, if, if you follow me on social media, you basically, you you will see what my tiny wins are every single day by kind of following through the the storyline each day. And, you know, a lot of them are based around exercise, um, getting my heart rate above 155, lifting something heavy, um, having captive, captivating conversations with people, getting hot, getting cold, planning some kind of 
adventure, getting outside for at least 60 minutes, connecting people, meeting at least one new person, learning something every day, whether it's reading or watching some kind of podcast for 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, so all of these things are what I build my days around. And you know, when people ask me if I have goals, I, I don't really set these long-term goals. I just kind of know if I continue living my life with these tiny wins that like perfect days lead to perfect months. They lead to perfect years. Your cup is going to be so full that you're going to attract opportunities back to you. And I never really feel like I'm ever chasing opportunities anymore. They just come to me by, you know, living this life where I'm able to impact others because, you know, I've built my day around, around these things that just fill my cup. That's a really interesting way to look at it from a more of a micro kind of perspective, yeah. like instead of, you know, the, the three, five, 10, however many decade out into the future goals, mm-hmm. right? There's this idea. It's like, well, let's just do all the things I, I, I want to make sure I do today. Yeah. And do then then just do that again tomorrow and then yeah. do that again the next day. And then it just stacks and stacks and stacks. And then throughout all of that, you're also building consistency and, and discipline and the momentum too, through all of those things with all of those daily habits compounding for so long. Exactly. Yeah. And also, I mean, just so many unique opportunities come up. I almost don't like pigeonholing myself anymore into something. Um, You know, if I say, yeah, like three years from now, I want to do an Ironman. Well, what if I had an opportunity to like do the go ruck games or compete in the CrossFit games? Like I want to make sure that there's space for those. So Mm -hmm. again, it really comes back to like designing your days in a way that you know that you're going to be able to, you know, attract opportunities in your life and you're just going to be ready for whatever comes your way. Mm -hmm. And sort of what's the, I think it's always, it's applied to a different aspect of, it's more, more applied to like preparedness in the sense of, uh, like home preparedness or, you know, Mm -hmm. physical, but the phrase, uh, don't get ready, stay ready. Yeah. Right. Like that's kind of what it is, right? It is. I'm all, I'm whatever happens. And I think, um, it's, it's what Laird Hamilton uh, says all the time. He always says like, don't be a liability, right? Mm -hmm. Like if anybody asks you like, Hey, let's go, let's go do some surfing tomorrow or whatever. Hey, let's go climb this mountain or Hey, I got this business. Like in any one of those scenarios, you should be able to do it and not be the the reason that that activity is being held back. Yeah. You know what I I love that. I love how Larry lives his life. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. And, uh, it's, it's a really, and that was actually probably the first place I had seen a lot of the, the sauna and, Mm-hmm. And cold therapy stuff that they do at XPT, mm-hmm. uh, which is which is just killer. So nice full circle moment there. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, he's got a great setup at his house. Again, someone who's just like designed his environment so he thrives. You know, his friend group just reinforces his, you know, all of those positive behaviors. He's built his businesses around his lifestyle with yeah. Laird Apparel and Laird Superfoods. So 100%, I mean, he's someone in that space who is, he, he's written a, the blueprint for it. So to kind of take it in the opposite direction because we're just that we don't have like these long-term goals or, or whatever, right? We're trying to stay ready, but I am curious, is there something, maybe an athletic event, like you mentioned the, the CrossFit mm-hmm. games or something like, are there things like that, 
that you would like to do or maybe aren't or are on the future checklist of like, man, that would be cool. I want to make sure I try to do what I can to, to do this one day. Is there anything like that for you athletically anyways? Yeah. So I look at those things more as obstacles than I look at them as goals. And I sure. do like having obstacles in my life because obstacles force you to purposefully design your days. So for example, you know, Leadville 100 mountain bike race I did a couple years ago. Yeah. That was an obstacle that I had to purposely design my days to achieve that. You know, an Ironman I would look at as an obstacle now more mm-hmm. so than a goal. It's something where you have to backtrack your way into it and you need daily execution to overcome that obstacle. Um, I have the High Rocks National Championships coming up in Chicago in two weeks. So, you know, I've certainly been ramping up my run training for that, sled Mm -hmm. push, sled pull, some of the different uh, disciplines for that. CrossFit Games, I went to for the first time this past year. That definitely, um, I I caught the bug a bit and um, it would be awesome to get there. I, I'm not going to give up a lot of the things I enjoy though, to get there. If I do great, you know, I certainly train at a high level with CrossFit, but you know, I'm not going to give up my mountain biking and fat tire biking and all the running I do to spend more hours in the gym. I just really enjoy the lifestyle I've created and enjoy, I want to feel good day in and day out. And the Ironman years really taught me that you know, you can overtrain and you can go too far in one capacity. And, you know, that affects your ability to be stoked for the training day in and day out. And the last four or five years, I've had very few days where I'm not stoked for training. You know, I look forward to the gym those five days a week. I look forward to, you know, the switching between mountain biking and trail running and pavement running and road cycling. So, you know, sometimes Mm -hmm. to get to the cross games or the world championships of Ironman, like you do have to, you, you have to be very narrow in your training. And that sometimes leads to, you know, losing your stoke for something injuries. Yeah. And, and there's just more generally more sacrifice involved. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, each year I get closer and closer to the CrossFit games within my age group. And yep. if I get there, I'm 100 percent going to, you know, go all in to, to do well at it. But, you know, I'm not going into every training session thinking about the CrossFit games like, you know, with Ironman, I was that like I was when I was biking for five hours in my home gym, like I was watching the Ironman World Championships. I was Mm -hmm. visualizing myself being there when I was running in Syracuse, New York. I was visualizing running down a Leahy Drive in Kona. It was very much to get there. And I do not think like that anymore with High Rocks. I don't think like that with with the CrossFit games. If I get there, great. But ultimately, Like I want to enjoy my training day in and day out. So same question, but now let's apply it to more like on the business side of things. Is there (laughs) things that you're like an obstacle for the business side that, that you're looking at or have kept in the front of your mind or maybe the back of your mind? Yeah. I mean, for the first time in probably four or five years now, I'm starting my own company this year with a business partner coming out with a pre-workout product that's going to be called pre-movement. And yeah, that's, that's exciting. It's definitely, you know, kind of an obstacle where like, I'm going to have to focus in on, you know, promoting this, this one product and setting up, you know, all of the communication and story and branding behind it. So I, I am super excited about that. The last four or five years I've, I've really, 
Um, I took so many risks for so long mm-hmm. <laughs> in building businesses and partnering with people and investing in, you know, risky, risky things that, you know, the last five years I've really outsourced a lot of the risk and just helped others build their brands. So I don't sure. have the risk of employees or inventory or any of that, sure. but I'm ready to step back into that ball game. Um, you know, I, I think, I think now is a good time to do it. So, um, yeah, that's, that's the thing for 2023 is, is building out my own brand around this movement is medicine concept. And, and that's beginning with the supplements thing. So yeah, is there, is there one, more going to branch off of that? Is there, uh, maybe, maybe, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to employ the same thing that I've employed with the businesses that have been successful, successful for me mm-hmm. in that like narrow, fo- narrowly focus on one thing, you know, do that, just one product, one yeah. flavor, yep. you know, until that becomes a success, hopefully. And then we'll see where it goes from there. But yeah, I, I've, for me, I've learned that focusing on one thing at a time works best. So we're just, you know, one thing, pre-movement, one flavor, one product, one ingredient list, and nice. uh, we'll run with that until we feel we're ready to add on more products. So do you, and this is something that I'm just noticing through these examples that you've given both in the, in the athletic side and in the business side, there's sort of always this internal motivation to whether it's train or, or continue on a new business project or whatever, mm-hmm. do you find that you just sort of have this internal motivation for it? Or does having something like you're talking about where you're a little bit more narrowly focused, does that help you more stay focused on the things that you need to do day to day? I mean, progress makes me happy. Um, That's just my personality type. I love incrementally pushing the ball forward. You know, there's certain things I have to do every day for me to feel like I was accomplished that day. And to, you know, when my head hits the pillow at night that I felt like it was a, a productive day. And I mean, that's so much of why my day is so structured is, you know, I know what I need to do for me to feel satisfied at the end of the day. And ultimately, that's why I do all of those things. And they compound on each other. Like I kind of have to do the recovery routine physically in order to do the the exercise volume I I do every single day. And, you know, I also know that I need to like completely check out, let's call it at least once every two weeks with like a deep tissue massage where I can just kind of reflect and, you yeah. know, be alone and not answering messages and not bombarded by, um, by information. So yeah, I've set up these processes so yeah. that, you know, I know I'm going to have mental clarity. I know I'm going to have physical energy. I know I'm going to be happy. It's almost like you're the, the, the daily checklist, you know, so to speak that you have, it's, it's, almost seems like it's more about if I do all these things today, tomorrow's going to be a really good day too. So it's almost like it's preparation for the next day. And you mentioned like the recovery protocols that you make sure like, if I do this, then tomorrow I'll be able to train well. Uh, This is just kind of an aside, but I've, I've said that uh, to a lot of my coaching clients in, in the fitness house for a long time where we view, we tend to view recovery as like, a a thing that comes after we just did something Mm -hmm. where I like to think of it as something that's preparing us for the next day. Yeah. Right. So like if I, if I'm, I look, I look at today's training or tomorrow's training and I see like, I'm going to have to go ham tomorrow and crush Mm -hmm. it. Like tomorrow's going to be an intense day. Like what do I need to do today to make sure that I'm going to be primed 
for mm-hmm. tomorrow rather than just be like, oh man, I'm smoked. I'm not, you know, I need to make sure I do all this to recover from this. I always, for whatever reason, mindset wise, just always helped me to think, well, I'm doing this to prepare for tomorrow. Cause it keeps me a little bit more focused on making sure I'm going to be there tomorrow to do this thing. And mm-hmm. that keeps that, that discipline and that momentum going that way for me. Definitely. And that's a lot of too, why I don't really like competing anymore is because, you know, with competition, you're going to have to back off before the competition. So I'm not going to be able to do the right. same type of training volume that I like. And with competition, I'm either going to go at such a high intensity or such a long duration that, you know, I'm going to have a few down days afterwards. So, um, and you know, the training mix I have now where for me, I know I'm not overdoing it in any one capacity, whether it's strength training, anaerobic endurance so that I can back it up again the next day. And yeah, the days are really designed to lead into the next day of, of, you know, another perfect flow state day. Yeah. I love it. Well, man, we're we're rolling up already here on an hour. I want to start to first just say thank you for making the time and coming on. I had a blast talking to you today. Um, why don't you give out some some links and some things that you've got coming uh, coming up going on where people can follow and get for more information about what you're doing and, and follow you. Yeah, I mean, the best place is Instagram. It's just mm-hmm. my name, Eric Hinman. Website, erichinman.com. Um, do have some cool uh, retreats coming up. I'm not sure when this is going to air, but um, in th- this February, God, it's what, one week away? Uh, the end of February, oh I'm co-hosting a wellness retreat with um, some friends out of Chicago called Live Better. It's a uh, uh, long weekend at this beautiful property called Savannah, just north of Phoenix. Um, hosting another one with them in mid-March. And then I'm co-hosting um, high-performance lifestyle training in Denver, March 23rd to March 26th uh, with my good buddy, Brian Mazza. Um, again, here in Denver, we're going to have some yeah. incredible speakers, lots of workouts, recovery sessions, rocking up a mountain, jumping in cold streams. Um, so those are some fun things that I have coming up that I'm really looking forward to. Ultimately, I like... I like doing things in person so much more than yep. just like digital interactions. Sure. Yep. You know, I, th- I think social media is a great place to, you know, meet people. But ultimately, I feel like relationships are really developed in person. So um, I'm enjoying being able to co-host these retreats. And, you know, I always invite people if they're in Denver or passing mm-hmm. through Denver to message me and swing by the house and come sauna and cold plunge with us or hit a workout in the backyard. So love meeting people in awesome. person. That's awesome. And I'll get those links for all those events for you. And I'll put them in the show notes for everybody listening. So you can check them out and everything. So awesome. uh, Awesome. Thanks again, Eric. I really appreciate it, man. Thanks, Ross.